Hey, sis. Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. Now, real quick before we get into the show, did you know that this podcast is a spinoff from a book that I wrote? Yes. Mom Keys to Mental Peace, 12 Tips to Become a Healthy Mom and Raise Healthy Children. In this book, I share my story about how I identified toxic patterns of thinking about life and motherhood. I share how God helped me to transform by the renewal of my mind. I didn't want to keep this revelation to myself, so I packaged it in a book to share how you can transform your mindset and lifestyle too. This book is for anyone who desires to break unhealthy generational patterns in their family, want to build healthier and stronger relationships with their children, or for anyone who wants to overcome the battle of negative thoughts in their mind. After reading this book, you will learn how to gain confidence in who you are as a mother, handle unhealthy thinking patterns when they appear in your mind, and position yourself to achieve mom-life balance. This book is available wherever books are sold, and the link will be in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. I'm your host and sister in Christ, Tari Kaya Allen Butler. This is a podcast for millennial moms who struggle with limiting beliefs and want to learn how to make over their mindsets and level up their lifestyle in faith and family. Tap in each week for the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast where you will learn major keys to stop coming up short on your goals and start leveling up for the type of lifestyle you desire God's way. Ready to level up? Let's do it. All right. So, hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to our OG listeners. So happy to have you here. And if you are new here to the podcast platform, welcome as well, sis. So happy to have you here too. So I'm excited to get into today's topic, um, but quick caveat before I get into it. Your girl just came out of <laughs> a very tough time um, yesterday. I was suffering from a toothache, which led to an earache on the side of my mouth that the tooth was hurting, which led to a headache. So I didn't even know if I was going to be able to show up today for today's episode, but thank God for medications and all the things and to get me, you know, back to where I can speak and be present today because I was not sure. <laughs> um, also, this will be an audio only episode because your girl is at the house sitting here looking crazy. Have y'all seen that meme with um, Miss J from America's Next Top Model with his hair all over the place? And it's like, what I mean when I say I'm sitting at the house looking crazy? <laughs> That's what I'm on today. So this will be an audio only episode Um, if you're someone who typically watches on YouTube. So yes, <laughs> but um, I'm excited for today's episode. We are continuing our talk with finances. Um, Last week, I had a special guest 
Ms. Jenna James, and we talked about um, taxes and how to prepare for those. So be sure to check that episode out. Um, And today's episode is six habits of women who are not broke. Okay. So if you're a woman that is tired of being broke or you don't want to be on the broke path, sis, this episode is for you. All right. So last year, um, I did an episode, a podcast episode called Broke Versus Poor. And I will link that in the show notes for you to check out um, after you listen to this one. But there was a quote that I shared in that episode that I'm going to bring over to today's episode, which is that broke is only temporary, but poor is a state of mind, right? So to stop being broke means that first, there has to be a mindset shift, right? So we have to identify why are you broke in the first in the first place? What led you to this path that you don't have enough money at the end of every month or you're scraping and scrambling, trying to pay bills and trying to live life? Why is that the state of your finances? Then we have to identify and set goals for what you want your money to look like. So how much income do you want to have? How much money do you want to have in your savings? Um, how are you spending your money on everyday things? And what are you spending your money on when it comes to those everyday things? So there's um, a few steps in this process to really hone into this whole broke mindset. So after you figure out all those things about you know why you're broke, setting your goals and what you want your money to look like, you have to apply strategy behind it, okay? There's no point in learning about how to do something if you're not going to apply the strategy. And I'm getting ahead of myself on my notes here. So yes, next there has to be strategy applied. So uh, for the income that you're looking for, how are you going to earn that income? When it comes to savings, what bank accounts do you have open to save and disperse your money? When it comes to how and um, what you're spending your money on, what budgets do you have in place? when it comes to spending your money. So you may have to adjust your habits or old ways that you have thought about money and the old ways that you have dealt with money. This can look like you learning about financial literacy, reading financial literacy books, or listening to financial literacy podcasts, okay? The hugest step after learning all of these things, this is where I said I was getting ahead of myself, is the application, okay? You have to apply, apply the information that you learn. Don't just read and listen to this information without doing what it says. And there is scripture to back up this, what I'm saying. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25 says, but don't just listen to God's word, or in this case, don't just listen to financial literacy um, advice that you're learning. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word, or in this case, if you listen to the financial literacy advice and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, or in this case, if you look into the financial literacy information that you're receiving and apply it to get to financial freedom, you 
excuse me, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Again, this was James chapter one, verses 22 through 25. All right. So a great example um, of this, I can share my personal experience. So at the moment, I'm reading Get Good With Money by Tiffany the Budget Nista. You may have heard about her, but I'm only on chapter two right now because I'm applying the information as I read it and as I go. So this isn't just some book that I want to read from cover to cover and feel like, oh, that was some good information that I received. No, I'm taking my time with this book and I'm applying the steps as I'm learning them, as I'm going throughout the book. So this is something you know that I have to practice patience with um, because I am somebody that finds joy in accomplishing or finishing something. I can remember as a kid, like being happy about reading a full chapter book and showing my mom or showing my teacher with pride. So this has really had to challenge me to like, okay, yeah, I want to read this book, but I also want to apply the information that I'm learning. So I'm going step by step, chapter by chapter, and applying the steps that she says in this book before moving on, okay? So may this be encouragement to you. Um, when you do connect to those financial literacy resources, don't just listen to it and just go off feeling good like, oh, that was good, or oh, they dropped some gems. Okay, how are you going to apply the gems that you learned? Even this podcast episode. After you listen to it, don't feel like, ooh, Tari gave some good gems or she dropped some good knowledge. Okay, how are you going to apply what you hear today to your financial journey? All right. And this brings me to my next point. You may have heard this saying that knowledge is power. Knowledge can open doors for us in life and lack of knowledge can keep us from walking through doors if we don't have it. Okay. Um, Hosea chapter four, verse six says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And in parentheses, it says of my law where I reveal my will. And this is the amplified version. And I chose this version specifically because this verse is, um, God talking about how the people are perishing because they're not following his law or they're not, um, listening to, the rules and regulations that he's given. So they're lacking because they don't have the knowledge and they're not applying the knowledge. So I chose this version to go along with um, the point that I'm trying to make today. So again, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And in parentheses, of my law, where I reveal my will. So um, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, I have shared over and over again how 2018 was like my save, save year where I really started getting serious about my relationship with God, transforming my mindset, um, my relationships within my family, all those things, right? So also in 2018 is when I did a mindset shift about my finances. And I decided that I wanted to learn about God's principles, or as I shared in the scripture, his will when it comes to money. So this was a result of me attending a financial literacy class that were held, um, it was being held at my church during this time. So did you know that there are roughly 2,350 scriptures in the Bible about money? <laughs> okay, so this lets me know that 
um, money is something important that God wants us to have information and revelation about. So he put it in his word for us to learn about it. So as a result of knowing that, I Googled scriptures about money and wrote them out in a journal. And I will put the um, link to that in my show notes. Now, no, I did not write out 2,350 scriptures. <laughs> okay. And even the um, the link that I'm going to share, I believe there's about 50 scriptures. Um, so that's an exercise or something you can go through. I suggest to write them out so you can make that that connection in your mind versus just, you know, reading them. I suggest that maybe you pick five a day to write out, um, to start off with and really meditate on them and see how you can apply those scriptures to your life. So this helped me to establish a biblical foundation and learn what it looks like to manage money God's way. I personally think that some people, not all, in the Black community struggle with finances because we simply don't know any other way to deal with money. Um, I had this conversation with a fellow coworker of mine, and she is a white woman. And I will say that I personally like having these conversations with not just white women, but people who look and are different from me completely. So white women, older women, men, Um, just people from different backgrounds. I love having conversations with them about how they um, handle finances or how they do money or just certain life decisions that they're making that I may not know about because either my family didn't do it or I didn't have the resources or information to even know that something like this was possible. So I shared with her that I feel like the older generation, um, when it comes to the Black community, They've kind of planted seeds in our minds that, you know, uh, white people will always have more money than us or white people have more resources than us. When I realized that really what it boils down to is knowledge. Maybe some of these white people knew about certain things or knew about um, certain resources and things to do with their money that black people just did not know. Now, I'm not going to dismiss, you know, that over time in America, there have been things and laws implemented in place um, that has held Black people back. But today, in 2024, as, a look, as I look around, I see successful Black people. I see wealthy Black people. And one key thing is I feel like is the knowledge that they have and the resources that they were able to connect with in order to build wealth. So this really goes back to, you know, knowledge being power, For us to get to that next level or lack of knowledge being something that holds us back from going to that next level. There are certain mindsets and habits about money that have been passed down through generations that cause us to make poor decisions with our money and stay broke. So one thing that I just recently learned about is a high yield savings account, um, which this is a savings account that earns higher interest than your traditional savings account. So again. It's not that the bank was holding me back from doing this or saying only white people can have a high yield savings account. I just simply didn't know about it, period. So now that I know about it, I'm learning about it. I'm doing my research. And, you know, um, maybe sometime this year or in the future, this is something that I plan to open to start to, you know, save money and earn interest and be on that path to building wealth. Okay. 
we have the opportunity to shift the conversations that we have with our children about money. We have the opportunity for them to see healthier habits and decisions being made with our money so that they have a better start with their finances as they transition into adulthood. Okay. So again, as I've shared, it's not that um, we don't have access to these things. Maybe our parents didn't know about it. So we weren't having those conversations in our home, but we have the opportunity to change that with our children and this generation. So one of the biggest um, words in the title of this episode is habits, right? Six habits of women who are not broke. So let's break down what a habit is. A habit is a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up a pattern, a norm, a policy, or tradition. So I feel like habits can go either way. You can create <clears throat> healthy habits or unhealthy habits. And I feel like over time, we have picked up unhealthy habits in regards to our money, um, overspending, getting into debt, not having knowledge about certain bank accounts and certain terms and things to do with our money. We have the opportunity, as I've shared, to change that um, with our family. So let's jump into it. Six habits of women who are not broke. The first habit is to start living below your means. All right. This is a challenge for those of us who have the mindset that if I spend it, I can just get it right back. Or if I spend my money on this, I will ask insert person who covers you when you don't have it to handle it. This could be a spouse, this could be a parent or a family member that you know, if I overspend or if this is something I want to get, I'm going to just ask them and they're going to cover it, okay? So initially when you hear to live below your means, you can think that this means to deprive yourself. All right, does it really mean that, sis? This is what the word deprive means, to deny a person or place the possession or use of something to strip, deny, cheat out of, or prevent from using. So when we say to live below your means, you still have access to your money because it's yours, right? Um, it's not being taken away from you. You're not being denied of these things. If anything, I think it means to have some type of self-control, <laughs> which a lot of us lack, myself included. So hearing live below your means is kind of like this red flag, like, what? What you mean live below my means? So I can't do this. We start to think about all the things we can't do or the things we can't buy or the places we can't go. When again, this is a mindset shift and a reason why a lot of us are broke because we feel like if I have it, I can buy it. Like I can afford it right if I can spend it but you're spending the money and not having money left to do things, then sis, no, you can't afford it. <laughs> and I'm preaching to myself as well, okay? So I recently shared how I disperse my money when I get paid. So some background information on this. I am an educator, which means that I get paid once a month here in North Carolina. So as a result of this, it forces me to plan out my money as soon as I get it. So I do 10% tithe and 10% savings off the top every time. Then I calculate my portion of the bills and then I just spend whatever is left. So that last step 
I just spend whatever is left has put me in a bind month after month. I would look up and all of my money would be gone, y'all, within a week. No lie. So this um, mindset or way of me spending my money over time causes me to dip into my savings, use my credit card, or go to my husband to cover what I don't have left. So this strategy with my money meant that I was living above my means, which which ultimately means that I was overspending my money. This happens when we don't have a plan in place for the money that we have left over after responsibilities. Now, I'm going to pause right here. If you're somebody who (laughs) um, neglects your responsibilities, so like you'll uh, buy this new pair of shoes instead of paying your rent or get your hair done instead of paying your light bill, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day, okay? This episode, I'm speaking to, you know, my people who have some type of, you know, establishment in place. You ain't just going crazy with your money. You're going to handle your responsibilities, okay? Your bill's going to be paid. It's just what's happening with that money left over where you start to come into an issue, okay? So living below your means forces you to evaluate where your money is going and how much you spend on things that you don't necessarily need to spend your money on. There was a key word there, necessarily, okay? I'm going to read that again. Living below your means forces you to evaluate where your money is going and how much you spend on things that you don't necessarily need to spend your money on. So some examples of that might be going out to eat for lunch every day, online shopping or random shopping at local stores. This is for my people who say, You don't uh, plan what you're going to get from Target. Target tells you what you're going to get when you go in there. And and sis, okay? Um, Certain self-care routines like getting your hair and nails done. Um, I will say I'm not a nail person. Like I don't have to keep my nails and toes and stuff kept up. Um, I do get braids as far as my hair, which can be a little expensive. But I don't necessarily do like sew-ins and weaves and stuff consistently. Now, certain hairstyles, especially as a black woman, as a black woman, can get up there, okay? Um, especially those routine nail and pedicure appointments. Those can get costly as well. Um, another thing is trips, vacations, and entertainment. Um, sometimes, you know, your friends, your girls are planning a trip and you feel like, oh, since everybody's going, I've got to be there. That's not something you necessarily have to spend your money on. Yes, you may feel bad. Yes, you may feel upset and irritated that you can't go because you just want to go so bad. But is that something you have to spend your money on? Or let's say that that is coming up. Maybe you can start to plan to save to go to that trip instead of putting yourself into debt or missing bills and payments to be able to attend this event. And the last thing um, that you may be overspending on is like certain car payments, your rent or mortgage payments. And a lot of times I realize when this is the case, not all the times, but most of the time what's attached to it is this image that you're trying to portray. So you get this brand new fancy car and the payments are so high that you can barely keep up with them. 
or you're being deprived in other areas because most of your money is having to go there, or say you just got this new home or rent and now you're house poor because you're having to spend all of your money to pay for those bills. And I'm going to get into this a little later, but like car payments, rent, mortgage, like that's a high necessity. You have to spend your money on those things. But sometimes we get ourselves into these payments of these things and it's like, oh, but I need it, but I need it. But are you living below your means, sis? Is the amount of that car payment, is the amount of that rent or mortgage payment within your means that you can actually afford, okay? Which leads me into the second thing that, um, or the second habit of women who are not broke. They always set their budgets, okay? So a budget doesn't deprive you from spending your money. It's a well thought out, thought out plan to tell your money where to go so you're not wondering where it went. One example of this is that huge corporations and businesses have budgets in place and these people are not broke. Walmart has a budget in place. Amazon has a budget in place. They have a certain budget or a certain amount of money that they're going to spend for marketing on certain products that they um, need and um, a budget for how they're going to pay their employees and how much they're going to pay each employee. Okay. Um, So get that out of your mindset that setting a budget means that I'm broke or setting a budget means that I don't have it. No, it's literally making a plan in place for where your money needs to go. It does not mean that you're broke, sis. (laughs) That's not what a budget means. So I have not got to the point where I have a specific number for each thing that I will spend my money on, Um, but I have decided to make a weekly spending budget with the money that I have left after I handle my responsibilities. So I just started implementing this um, this month, and I plan to do an episode with an update on like how that went for me. But my plan so far is that I divide the amount of money that I have left by the numbers by the number of weeks until my next payday, okay? I can only spend that amount of money on what I need for that week. I take this amount out in cash so that I'm not tempted to overspend with my debit card. This has forced me to think about the purchases I make, which causes me to live below my means. So I realized that I was somebody that, always went out to get lunch um, (laughs) at work. Like I did not pack my lunch or prepare lunch the day before. Now I would sometimes, but I'm not consistent with it. Um, And where I work, um, the area that I live in, there's a lot of nice lunch spots around me. So that makes it harder too, where I'm like, I'll just get a soup or I'll just get a sandwich or I'll just get um, a salad. But I'm doing this multiple times throughout the week and it's adding up and eating up (laughs) the money that I have left, literally. So with me having this budget in place, it's forced me to go ahead and plan my lunch for the week so that I'm not um, dipping into that money and going out to eat and picking up lunch multiple days throughout the week while I'm at work. So if you struggle with setting an amount to spend on food, on shopping and entertainment, start with setting a weekly budget based off how you get paid. So I know a lot of um, financial gurus, uh, especially the ones I listen to, say, 
have X amount of money for groceries and X amount of money for shopping and X amount of money for self-care. For me, I just feel like the amount ain't even that much (laughs) to be divided in those different areas. So, so far for me, that weekly budget has helped um, with me to live below my means, which is the goal anyway, right? So your bills and responsibilities come first. Budget the money you have left after paying those major bills. Once that money is gone, sis, it's gone, okay? Don't use your credit card or dip into your savings to spend another cent. You will just have to wait until your um, withdrawal day where you can get some more money to re-up for that next week, okay? The third habit of women who are not broke is to diversify your income. So I'm a strong believer that it is a necessity to have multiple streams of income, especially in 2024. Um, you can pick up a side hustle that is flexible with your time, like DoorDash. Currently, that is what I am doing. Um, if you have time to pick up a second job, do that. I will say for me and my family setup, um, with all the extracurricular activities that my kids have going on, um, my husband's work schedule, Um, with my babysitter schedule, it does not make sense for me to get a second job. Um, Somewhere where my time has to be dedicated, I have to physically show up and be in that space or find a babysitter for that time that I'm gone. That does not work for me. But sis, if you're someone who has more open time, um, if you have a sitter set up or if your kids are older and don't necessarily, you know, need you to physically be there, or maybe you can pick up a job just on the weekends, just something, um, then yes, I suggest that you do that. But um, as I've shared, so far DoorDash works for me. I can take my kids with me while I DoorDash. They enjoy doing that. Um, I'm not on a set schedule where I have to show up at this time and I can only leave at this time. So that works for me. Um, And do your research on certain side hustles. I know there's Uber Eats, Uber, um, Instacart, things like that. DoorDash works for me because I realize I don't like having to go inside of a grocery store and grocery shop or pick up different items because, baby, <laughs> I don't even like doing it for myself, let alone for somebody else. I just feel like that takes up too much of my time. Again, you have to find what works for you, all right? Um Utilize a skill or a talent that you have to make some extra money, all right? So if you can do hair on the side, you know, do that to earn some extra money. If you can babysit and keep somebody's kids, somebody's always looking for a sitter, um, do that, you know, for some extra money. If you know how to make things um, or provide a service to somebody that they can pay you for, like tutoring and stuff like that, um, then do that, you know, and charge a a price and start to earn some extra money. It is imperative that you have more than one stream of income. Um, I cannot imagine, especially in 2024, going through life or going through each month and waiting on just one paycheck every month to come in. Like, especially with the way I get paid once a month, like there's no way I will be able to survive or live. I have to have some other source of money coming in. And again, like I shared, I feel like this is the case for just about everybody in 2024 with how much 
things are costing and how much everything is, is going up in price. It is imperative to have more than one stream of income. So I use my DoorDash money to cover me for the weeks that I may overspend with my weekly budget. Um, currently, I've been using my DoorDash money to get gas because I can earn cash back for that. So since I'm using that for gas, I'm not having to use my weekly budget for gas, which you know gives me a little buffer or some room where that's the area I'm not spending money in. And that has helped. Um, I also bake cookies to earn extra money throughout the month with my side hustle, Kaya's Cookies. Um, I will say I don't necessarily use that money for house stuff um, or like bills and daily living. Um, kind of in the summertime is if I have to is when I do it like that June, July month where I'm not getting paid. Um, that cookie money has been able to step in for like my daily spending or things that I need. But ultimately, I just have that money saved in my business bank account and I just use it for my business expenses and things like that. Um, but it is good to know that, hey, I have this extra income. If we're pushing and shoving, trying to figure out how things are going to go, I know that I have this money that I can fall back on and use. All right. So. Yes, that's the third habit is to diversify your income. The fourth habit of women who are not broke is to figure out your needs versus your wants. All right. And we're going to break this down. A need is something that is needed to survive like food, shelter, utilities, insurance, transportation costs. A want is something that you desire but you will be able to live without it, <laughs> like hair, nails, just because clothes and shoes, trips, vacations, fine dining, and toys and games for your kids. So figuring out your wants versus your needs will help with the step one that I shared about living below your means. This reveals what we unnecessarily spend our money on, okay? This is also a great way of thinking to teach your kids early so that they have this principle in mind as they grow up. So my kids already know we are in conversation of this. I have an ongoing list of things that we need for the house or whatever on my phone. And if they're with me while I'm shopping, they know if it ain't on this list, baby, I'm not getting it. But I also explained to them about I'm picking up what we need or this is something we need. So if they pick up something like, oh, my, can I get this? I explain to them, no, we cannot get that at this time because that's not something that we need. <laughs> All right. That is a want. That is not something that we have to have to survive or that we need to live and, and do life right now. So most of the time, the answer is no. Um, this is a nicer version of that conversation your mama might had. Now, when we go in the store, don't you ask for nothing, don't look at nothing, don't touch nothing. <laughs> okay, this is a nicer version of that conversation. Um, but ultimately, that's what they were saying. Like, listen, I'm not picking up a bunch of extra stuff that we don't need. I only have enough money to get what we need. And that's the focus of this, this store shop right now. Okay, so that's the fourth habit to figure out your needs versus your wants. All right. The fifth habit of women who are not broke is to have a savings account. Now, 
22% of Americans say that they do not have a savings account. A lot of people feel like they don't have room to save money. And this is probably because of how much money we are spending. I recently had a conversation with a friend who is making a life transition where she won't have to pay rent. So the person that she's moving with suggested that she should put that amount that she was paying for her rent in a savings account. And sis thought that that idea was crazy (laughs) because she sees that money as an amount that she now has to spend. (laughs) Again, this is a mindset shift. So what are you going to spend it on, right? Those unnecessary things. So now you're going to go shopping for more clothes or now you're going to take more trips and vacations or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially if Say you're putting that money, um, you're building it to take a trip. I don't think anything's wrong with that. Um, But ultimately, she feels like, oh, I don't have room to save or I can't save that or why would I do that with that money? When if you were already spending that money on rent or already spending that money on a car payment, say that you're able to pay your car off and now you have an extra $300, I would suggest that you put that money in a savings account. Don't put it with, okay, now I can spend this because ultimately you've been living life without spending that amount, right? Because you've been putting it towards a bill. Now you can start to save that money or invest that money and watch it grow over time instead of spending it and sending it somewhere else that isn't going to benefit you, okay? So having an emergency savings account has saved me and my family financially so many times, um, as I've told you all, there were times um, that I spent all my money within a week, right? That was left after I did bills and things. Okay, we still got to eat. We're a family of five. So there were times where I had to use the money in my savings account to go grocery shopping to get bills. There were times that I've had to use money in the savings account um, to cover certain bills that I didn't have enough money for. Or I was able to use the money in the savings account to handle unexpected financial obligations like car repairs. So it's a good cushion to have when the math just ain't mathing throughout the month. I suggest that you start with $1,000 in your savings account for emergencies. To me, $1,000 is zero. I feel like that's the least amount of money that you should have in a savings account, period. You can set up automatic payments to go to your savings account weekly or monthly. Um, With the way that I get paid, I like to do this monthly just because weekly, I don't like the way it looks. I just rather do it (laughs) one time for the month and then savings account, I got you for next month, okay? Um, One strategy you can do, which is what I use, is to save 10% every time you get paid. So if you get paid biweekly, take 10% from each of those checks and put it into a savings account. Um, You can find a savings challenge on Pinterest. They have lots of weekly or monthly savings challenges based off how much you're trying to save. So if you're trying to save $1,000 in a year, they have, you know, how much you need to save each month or each week to get to that. If you're trying to save $500 in six months, okay, they have a breakdown of how much you need to save to achieve that goal. So find you a good money savings challenge to help hold you accountable um, when it comes to saving. If you don't want to do a savings challenge, just simply choose a certain amount that you want to consistently save and add to your account each week. 
or a month. So maybe it's $25 a week, $25 a month, whatever the amount is that you feel comfortable doing, just stay consistent with that. So don't, if you say it weekly, don't do it for one week and then miss the next week. Do it every single week, like you said. If you said you want to do $50 a month, don't do it one month and then don't do it the next. Save that $50 each month. I feel like a lot of us despise small amounts or feel like small amounts don't mean anything. But over time, if you stay consistent with it, those small amounts will grow. Saving a small amount is better than saving nothing at all. (laughs) Um, I've shared this story before how I would see those money challenges like back in 2019 and feel like that is too long. 52 weeks is too long to save $1,000. Like, come on now. But as I was saying that, I did not have $1,000 in my savings account as I was saying that. So ever since that year, I committed myself to the 10%, which is something I've been able to keep up with over time. And it has helped me, as I've shared, when I really needed it most, okay? So that's the fifth um, habit of women who are not broke. Have a savings account. Be consistent with your savings, all right? And the sixth and final habit of women who are not broke is that they pay more than the minimum on their credit balances, all right? So there are different types of debt that we can have. There's auto loans, personal loans, student loans, and credit cards, just to name a few. Paying only the minimum adds up interest over time, and interest is extra money that you have to pay, and it keeps you in debt longer. So debt can hold you back from making big money moves. For example, if you want to purchase a house, Um, but your debt to income ratio is too high, then they won't give you the loan for that. I have stepped into this problem, I don't know how many times. Um, And I will say that I have manageable debt that I have a plan for to get out of this year, Um, cars and credit card. Um, Thank God I don't have student loan debt. Um, I went to two community colleges. I was able to get financial aid for both. Some classes I just paid out of pocket and I have no student loan debt. Um, My husband doesn't either. So I'm grateful that that's not a hurdle or something that we have to get over um, with our finances. Debt is another reason that people feel like that they can't save money because this is yet another payment that you have to make throughout the month. Um, There's a financial literacy educator named Anthony O'Neill that I listen to. Um, I really, really love his content and the information that he shares because it's specifically for the black community. Um, He used to partner with Dave Ramsey, who is a huge Christian financial guru, if you haven't heard of him, but um, he recently took his own path because he wanted to speak directly with the black community about how to build wealth, get out of debt and things like that. And I find his information very helpful, very easy to understand. He will get on us (laughs) um, about some of those poor habits, you know, that we've learned and that we were taught and that were passed down to us over time. So I highly suggest him and I'll link um, his episode of information in the show notes. His name is Anthony O'Neill. But I recently listened to um, a YouTube video that he put out called Debt Payoff 101, The Basics of How to Get Out of Debt. And he really gave a a whole blueprint and plan of how to get out of debt. 
But also I liked how he pretty much got on our heads, man, about how we end up in debt in the first place, our mindset about debt, like certain comments like, oh, you'll always have a car payment or you'll always have um, a mortgage payment. You'll, you'll never pay your house off. You know, just little things like that that we've learned or picked up on over time that's been keeping us stuck in debt and keeping us stuck um, in our finances and keeping us broke, <laughs> as you know, this episode is about. So I just really love the way that he delivers the message and just keeps it real about the Black community and what we've learned over time and how to do it different. So one thing that we need to do is come up with a plan to get out of debt as quickly as possible. It won't happen quick if you are only paying the minimum for your debt bills. Because as I shared, if you're only paying the minimum, interest is adding up over time. So yeah, you're paying the minimum, but then there's extra money being added onto it. Um, I saw a, a reel about you know me paying off my credit card debt and it was somebody at the beach, um, you know, where the waves come in and break and they had a mop. <laughs> and it was like they would mop up the money. I mean, excuse me, mop up the water and then the water would go back out, but then it would come right back. And that's pretty much what you're doing when you only pay the minimum. Yeah, you're paying a little bit off, but then the waves or more money is coming back. <laughs> so it's like what you just paid off don't even matter because more money is being added to it. You have to pay more than the minimum, more than the minimum. Oh, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> um, if you're trying to get out of debt quickly. So pay extra on your lowest debt. So you're going to make a list. Let me back up. I mean, he talks about this in a video that I'm going to share, but ultimately you make a list of all your debt <clears throat> and then you make a plan to start paying a little extra on your lowest debt. <clears throat> Once that is paid off, you're going to add that amount to your next debt payment on top of what you are already paying. This is called the snowball method. All right. So I will be implementing this plan in 2024, starting with my credit card, and then I'm going to move on to my car payment. So I made the plan, I mapped out the money, and it should take me about a year and a half to be debt free. And I feel like that's doable. Um, I'm willing to commit a year and a half to get out of debt instead of just paying the minimum and being in debt even longer and longer. Like, let's just go ahead and get this out the way because <laughs> I don't want to be broke. Um, I want to be able to use that money that I've been spending on my car payments, spending on my credit card and start investing that money or saving that money, just doing something else that benefits me instead of somebody else. Okay. So just a quick review. Six habits of women who are not broke. The first habit is that you start living below your means. Next, always set your budgets. Third, diversify your income. Fourth, figure out your needs versus your wants. Fifth is to have a savings account. And sixth is to pay more than the minimum. All right, so in conclusion, you know, just give yourself grace and time. As always with everything, <laughs> uh, be patient with the process. This is not an overnight change. Um, if you don't know something, learn about it. And after you learn about it, apply what you learn, okay? Um, God will see your efforts and give you resources to overcome the odds. And I shared this, um, 
I want hopefully it's a prophetic word to you as it has been to me. But I have heard this statement three times so far this month. Um, and I feel like this is God's way of speaking. When you hear something over and over again, I don't believe anything is a coincidence. Okay. God will see your efforts and give you resources to overcome the odds. So I believe that God will meet us where we are. We just have to give him something to work with. Okay. And this goes back to that famous scripture that faith without works is dead. I feel like if God sees your effort, if he sees you planning, if he sees you implementing the strategies that you learn, going out and seeking um, the knowledge that he will meet you where you are and help you to supersede um, the goals that you're trying to meet in regards to your finances. Okay. So that is all that I have for you today. Um, quick reflection is what financial literacy resource will you connect to and learn from? Okay. I've started you off with some resources in the show notes, but if you know some other ones that, you know, you've kind of paid attention to, but haven't really, you know, dived into, now is the time, sis. <laughs> now is the time. All right. If you are not, please follow me on both Instagram and Facebook. Those links are in the show notes. Be sure to join the Mom Keys to Mental Peace email list and community. Subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Those links are in the show notes as well. And be sure to rate, share this episode out with somebody that is not trying to be broke this year. Um, and be sure to leave a review on the podcast. So if you listen on Apple, be sure to rate the show with the star ratings or write a comment or a review of how you enjoyed this episode. And I know Spotify has a new thing as well. If you listen there where you can give some feedback specifically on, you know, an episode that you listen to, I would love to see and hear from you all. All right. That is all I have for you all today. And I will talk with you all next week. All right. Bye.